0: The Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast is sponsored by Prairie Care. You know, going through the process of getting help with your mental health can be very overwhelming. I definitely know that from firsthand experience. Prairie Care can help guide you through it and get you in touch with the help that you need. They've been offering mental health services to all ages in the Twin Cities of Minnesota since 2005. Whether you're looking for clinical services, a specialty outpatient program, or a more intensive level of care like inpatient treatment, Prairie Care has you and your family covered. Visit prairie care.com to learn more. That's prairie care.com. friends, and welcome here into this episode of the Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast. My name is Brian Pyatt, and I am your host, and um, so great to have you here, however you're feeling today, however you're showing up in this space. I'm just so glad that you're here. And talking today on the episode about something that you know you, you can kind of maybe sense it in my voice that this is a, a topic here today that man I don't even really know exactly the words to put to this um but i'm I'm gonna do my best. And let you know that we're talking today about a lot of the recent news and conversation and things happening when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community around our country. I'd say especially with transgender and non-binary communities. I, as I, as I journey through this thing called life, I am reminded over and over and over again, the importance of, of safe spaces, safe spaces to express what's coming up inside of us, safe spaces to be with another human. Safe spaces to to be who we are, and and allow that human experience to to flow. And I think what what breaks my heart the most about some of the legislation and um, things happening in a number of states around around the country right now is it it feels like the exact opposite of that in many ways and so you know we we can we can focus on the anger and the frustration and the irritability that i that i know i've i've been feeling around this this topic as of late um and we we, we definitely want to want to honor that and, and validate that and, and let you know that if that stuff is coming up um it's coming up for me too and 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 those 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 fresh those, those emotions get to be there and and those ex- emotions need a need need a way to be expressed um and what i what i want to do here on the podcast today is bring in a couple of um humans, wonderful humans to talk about a a safe space being created here in Minnesota for LGBTQ plus youth to feel supported and seen and honored and celebrated. um we're talking today to Nikki Hangsleben, the executive director and founder of Queer Space Collective. It is a nonprofit that is uh, providing those safe spaces for LGBTQ plus youth in Minnesota. Um, we also have Micah Helley joining us. Micah is a board member for a Queer Space Collective, also identifies as trans and non-binary, going by they/them and he/him pronouns, and we're, we're we're diving into a conversation today about Queer Space, the work they're doing, how they're essentially pairing LGBTQ adults with lgbtq plus youth locally and creating spaces for them to feel connected and supported and um and validated which i think is incredible and we also go into nikki's coming out story we go into micah's coming out story and um just want to thank them both for, for being here and being on the podcast at a time where we need more voices Coming forward and sharing and talking openly and um, and doing the work, day in and day out of um, protecting those those safe spaces. Um, I, I do want to mention that that this this episode was recorded before um, the the bill in Florida that has been commonly referred to as the "Don't Say Gay" bill, um, that had not passed the Senate yet so um in in some of our discussions um just want to clarify that this was recorded before some of those um, legislative proceedings had happened but um my intention really for this episode is that i hope that you feel safe and i hope that you feel seen and um if anything this is just kind of therapeutic for me too to sit down in front of a microphone and talk about some of this stuff because i know that as a gay, identified, cis male. Um, I needed those safe spaces when I was younger. I needed those safe spaces to be um, able to express what was coming up for me. And um, the things that are happening in our world right now that are, I, I feel like out of a place of fear, and out of a place of um, very rigid ways of thinking are um, trying to prevent those spaces from being available to, um, to kids who, who need it very very desperately. And so um, thank you for allowing me to just share here a little bit, um, giving myself kind of an outlet to express to all of you kind of what's coming up for me. And, um, and I hope that this serves you in some way. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and step aside and we will go ahead and, and toss it over to my conversation with Nikki and Micah. Thank you both so much for being here. I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to join the podcast.
1: Thanks for having us, Brian. Really excited to be chatting with you this morning.
2: Yeah, honored to be here.
0: I'm kind of wondering if we can kind of go into the, the coming out process for each of you, because I know it can be um, really helpful for people that especially might be in that process to kind of hear what other people have gone through when it comes to that. Um I, and, and I, I want to preface this by saying I know that's like a huge question and there's a lot that <laughs> goes into the coming out process it's not something that can be um, just summarized in like a minute on a podcast but is there maybe is there anything from the coming out process or that journey for you um, Micah let's start with you that that you would want to share with people that are that are listening
2: yeah sure so I'm trans and non-binary and uh, I always tell people that I came out twice. Um, third time's the charm. But uh, the first time I came out was gay in college. And then I came out as trans, masculine non-binary after college. And, you know, thinking about those experiences, um, you know, I, I think back and I'm like, wow, I wish I would have come out sooner. Because at the time, um, when I made those decisions, it was like, wow, I could have been feeling this way for a long time this feeling mm. of authenticity and alignment within myself. Um, and there was a sense of sadness too, like, man, I had been missing out for so long. Um, yeah, But, you know, also both times I came out to about the same group of like close friends and family members. And there was definitely a lot more pushback and kind of an uphill battle the second time I came out as trans. Mm. Um, and I think that's because gender is very nuanced. And, um, you know, we're learning more about people's gender identity every day. Yeah. And typically, when you come out to somebody, they want you to be sure. Um, but it's hard to be sure when the environment around you is shifting. And, and when just mm-hmm. the idea of gender identity is so fluid. Um, I guess most of the people in my life had also come in contact with someone who was gay or bisexual before had friends, um, family members. Um, but I was the first trans person that they had ever known. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be fair, I was the second trans person I had ever known myself. Um, so I relied really heavily on my one trans friend that I had for all of my questions. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I was at a point in my life where I was really comfortable with being kind of a more butch, masculine, lesbian. But I still had a lot of unanswered questions around certain anxieties around my body, my clothing, my presentation, Um, as well as the term lesbian just always felt a little disingenuous to me, for me. Mm. Um, And then that's when I really started to turn online and connect with more trans and queer folk um, that I didn't have, you know, in person. Um, And that's when they introduced me to the term non-binary, which, you know, growing up, I knew about... Um, you know, the trans community a little bit and had a a pretty narrow view of what transitioning looked like or could look like. Um, And I think, you know, my folks definitely had the same opinions um, and ideas around um, transitioning from, you know, a binary male to a binary female or vice versa. And I really strongly identified with this, like, almost magical third category of, like, I can transition from female to, like, in-between or like an undefined, and that felt really liberating to me. Mm. Um, I didn't have to fit any specific mold. And, you know, I think coming out as trans and non-binary, in a a sense, was kind of like a double whammy um, of emotions and confusions for a lot of people, including myself. But a lot of people really did rally around me and support me, um, even though they didn't quite understand it from like a lived perspective or lived experience point of view. So really thankful to have the people that I have in my life. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you, Micah, for sharing all of that. And I know we'll, we'll go deeper on some of those things here in just a bit, um, but just so grateful for um, you letting us in a little bit on, on the journey that you've been on. And Nikki, how about you?
1: Yeah, um, Micah, that was so like profound and beautifully articulated. <laughs> um, my <clears throat> experience was quite different. Um, I grew up, uh, my mom dated women when I was a kid. Um, when I was like in my teenage years, um, and we moved from Bismarck, North Dakota, where it wasn't very easy or safe to be out, um, nor were there just job opportunities and a lot of other factors. But we moved to Minneapolis. Um, and so during the 90s, I grew up with this like crew of, of lesbians. And I'm not a big fan of that word either. But you know, a crew of lesbians who were all like in their 20s and 30s, um, while I was in my teenage years, and would go to all of these parties and gatherings, and they were, you know, very much became our family, um, our chosen family. Um, So while I was still dating boys, um, I was just surrounded by queer community, which was amazing because when I came out in my early 20s, I already had this amazing community and I had been surrounded by adults who not only we're out, but we're really proudly out. I mean, I remember hearing as a kid, like, God, I love being gay. And oh, there's something about, you know, queer folks that once you come out, the authenticity that comes along with that um, is just really genuine and important and um, liberating. So that was the environment I grew up in. Um, I definitely... You know, have family who still don't really approve of of my lifestyle or or my kids or my family and aren't inclusive. So it's not like it's always been a you know totally easy ride. But just really having that foundational support's been incredible. And you know, part of what um, part of the foundational energy behind Queer Space Collective and and working to provide that type of support for. The youth in our community. Yeah, so that's a little bit about me and my journey.
0: Beautiful. You mentioned Queer Space Collective, and, and I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, I know, Micah, you're on the board of directors for Queer Space. Um, Nikki, you're the executive director and founder. Um, what is it for people who have never heard of it, um, and, and, and why did you start it?
1: Yeah, so Queer Space Collective. So our mission is to create space for LGBTQ+ plus youth to feel safe and empowered to be their true selves, um, and really we're creating community um, and and space for them to just be able to show up. Um, it was, you know, I was seeing a lot of statistics with LGBTQ youth. I was seeing that they're five times more likely to attempt suicide than their hetero peers that they make up 40% of the youth homeless population. And when I started looking around at the various resources for LGBTQ youth um, and talking to folks in the community, I just saw a really big gap in what's being provided. There's you know, quite a few programs like Gender Sexuality Alliances in the schools that are doing a great job of creating space for them. Um, and there's some programming at local homeless organizations, but there's just not a lot of, of, of places and space for them to be able to show up and feel safe and not feel judged and not worried about being harassed by a community, um, Mm -hmm. who doesn't always accept them. And so, yeah, I started talking to folks like Micah and others on the board and saying, Hey, this is an idea I have. Like, what do you think? And everywhere I went, I just received more and more, um, energy behind it. And so we launched as a nonprofit in almost a year ago in April of Mm -hmm. 2021 during a pandemic, but it didn't seem to matter because we just kept having Zoom calls and pushing forward and it just felt so important and so right. Mm -hmm. Um, Through this program, we have a mentorship program called Queer Space Hangouts. It's kind of like a queer version of Big Brothers Big Sisters, where yeah. LGBTQ youth are matched with an LGBTQ adult. And then they hang out in the community once a week. And that could look like grabbing a coffee or going for a walk or bowling, kind of whatever they're both interested in. Yeah, I think a lot of thrifting has been happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do monthly group events where the youth and the mentors can all show up together um, and can hang out, play games, we have speakers come in to talk about queer history, um, and different types of activities. And again, really building that community of support for the mentees, but also the mentors who are yeah. also looking for additional community, um, and really just creating these containers and these safe spaces um, for them to be able to just show up, you know, for a few hours and not have to, not have to yeah. stress about how they're, how they're showing up. So. Micah, it's been what is it? Incredible, yeah. Yeah,
0: I'm. I'm curious, Micah, from your perspective, what has it meant for you to be to be a part of this?
2: It's been great, and I think I came across Queer Queer Space Collective almost by accident. Um, I actually had just an amazing, just informal kind of mentorship opportunity uh, in my life that was pretty transformative while I was going through um, medical transitioning, and yeah. I was able to connect with uh, another trans person online through i think it was like reddit at the time and just to be able to like go through that same process with this person and and kind of day by day check in with one another i was really looking for a way to specifically help trans youth connect with one another Mm. um and then i came across queer space collective and contacted nikki and we'd actually met before uh and i was like you know like i'd love to learn more about this we met up for coffee like how can i help where are you guys at um and i think it's great because you know there are a lot of trans youth out there who have not felt supported by their community not been supported completely by their gsas and there's been you know more of a need to specifically help and address trans and non-binary issues that i think i can bring some perspective to but i think we have a a great board of directors and great uh, staff here helping to make our mission a a reality
0: yeah and i know um nikki this is something that continues to grow right And, and and it sounds like there's a lot of um intention on this continuing to grow and reaching more people as, as you continue to move forward?
1: Yeah. So we, we're not even a year old. Um, so there's there's like so much. Yeah, there's so much ahead of us. So right now we're working with around 20 youth and you know anticipate working with 40 to 50 this year in the Twin City metro area. Um, yeah. We're also looking at expanding up into Duluth or maybe St. Cloud um, later this year. We're talking to folks in North Dakota about, you know, is there space for this? Um, You know, I want to make sure that we're being really intentional about the communities that we go into and that we really partner with organizations that already exist. And that, you know, we're clear that what we can offer and how we can collaborate is really something that the community needs. Um, Mm -hmm. We're not trying to push an agenda or, you know, grow because, we feel like we need to have more queer domination or, you know, anything like that, but just like, but there's, again, just such a deep need. And if there's such a deep need in a place like Minneapolis, where the space, you know, where we have a lot of LGBTQ inclusive spaces, like rural communities um, and some other States that are less inclusive, I think the need there is even deeper. So there's, 5,000 mentorship programs across our country and, you know, less than 10 that really focus on LGBTQ youth. So our goal is just to, just to create, keep creating space for the, for the queer and trans kids um, in our region and eventually across our country in whatever capacity that looks like.
0: Did you consider naming it Queer Domination? Was that in the (laughs) running when you were were coming up with a name?
1: I've never said that out loud before that was, that was a first right, right for this.
0: You know, one of the big reasons I really wanted to reach out and talk to the two of you is a lot of what we've been hearing in the news lately around, um, particularly trans and non-binary communities. Um, I know for me, it's been just frustrating and, and, and heartbreaking to hear a lot of the things that are, um, kind of being discussed around the country right now. Um, Micah curious what your reaction has been to, to a lot of this.
2: Oh my gosh. I'm just exhausted and overwhelmed by just a seemingly endless train of just bad, sad news. Um, you know, specifically reacting to the Florida legislation that don't say gay which is really looking to limit any discussion of sexual orientation or gender identity in the classroom, like,
1: um,
2: because it's deemed not developmentally appropriate. Um, I mean, that's really sad. I personally didn't have like a queer teacher or mentor to look up to. Um, So my initial reaction to that is, you know, it's not really, for me at least, taking away a huge artery of support in the queer and trans community that has existed for a long time more Mm -hmm. it's shedding light on the fact that queer kids are left kind of isolated to figure out these things on their own um and also like it's highlighting the creativity that kids have had to have to carve out these own safe spaces for themselves and find community amidst the politics of it all um you know i think also that queer friendships Mm -hmm. for me had been transformative to figuring out who i was um And, you know, we were able to come together and kind of bring this collective knowledge to the table um, that wasn't Mm -hmm. really being taught anywhere. Um, And they helped me connect with support groups and different education and also really to help vet healthcare professionals and practitioners like mental health providers that were queer informed or trans friendly. Um, Yeah. And just quickly touching on the anti-trans legislation in Texas. Um, which is looking to really limit gender-affirming care to trans youth and their families. Um, I mean, it's horrifying. It's not really backed by any rationale, not backed by any evidence. Um, and it's being proposed and pushed forward by politicians with political agendas who really don't have any education or expertise in these matters. Um, and it's horrifying that, you know, they're willing, what they're willing to say to get votes and to get support. Um, Yeah, I do want to make an important distinction, though, that it's right now not legally binding. Um, But it it goes against the evidence of like an interdisciplinary model, where the decisions made for a child is made with a parent and healthcare provider team. Um, Yeah, it's sad, it's depressing. um, But it just speaks to the amount of work that we have to do, um, especially with transphobia in this country.
0: Yeah. Nikki, from your perspective, what have you noticed kind of coming up for you, um, as being somebody who is so involved in this work, um, as you've been hearing all this going on?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think heartbreaking is a really great word and just angry. I mean, honestly, like even thinking about this, sometimes just the emotions are really makes me want to cry. Um, the, the more I dive into this work, and the more youth who come into our network, most I would say seventy percent of the youth we work with are trans. Um, I don't. I just want to like wrap them in this like sweet bubble of um, protection. Um, you know, the mental health challenges. Part of why they're showing up is because. They're having mental health challenges they're you know dealing with depression or anxiety or have attempted suicide or cutting um and parents are reaching out to us because they don't know what to do and they yeah. you know even the ones who are very supportive um you know are still trying to figure out like what does this mean and how do i support my child and um I mean, speaking, yeah, to the the Texas legislation, like I have young children too, and I just can't even um, imagine, um, you know, you try to do everything you can to protect your child and to make sure that they get the health care that they need and that and that they're safe and supported. And f- for this to show up, you know, on a political platform, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it's crazy town.
0: Michael, where do you think this resistance that we see from people who are um, so in opposition to trans and non-binary, and I mean, really the LGBTQ plus community as a whole, where, where where do you think that's coming from within people? Like, do you have any any sense of what where that resistance is is arising from?
2: Yeah, you know. I don't have, you know, a clear answer for you, but um, Nikki and I the other day uh, testified in support of banning conversion therapy in the state of Minnesota. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think it, it brings up a, a reality that being gay, being trans um, can be scary, can be dangerous to people who, you know, are affected by it and they can't be out. Um, and just ultimately there's been a huge lack of support for not only trans kids going through this but also trans parents who feel like wow like I don't know anything about the gay experience or like being trans I just like see all these hate crimes happening like I don't want that for my kid so ultimately like it's I think a lot of legislation is popping up that builds on that fear of wanting to repress rather than to move forward or like have these deep conversations and, you know, really dig into like, what are parents feeling? How can they best support their kid? Because parents ultimately are the best advocate for their child. Um, and we see yeah. that within Queer Space Collective. A lot of parents are, are wanting to learn more about the process. They see how these mentors are coming in and, um, talking to their kid, listening to their kid. And and I think that they want that for themselves too. They want that connection with their kid. And um, ultimately, I think, you know, we'll have a lot of anti-trans legislation and anti-gay legislation, you know, exist for a long time. But ultimately, um, this connection between parent and kid, I think uh, will help shut these bills down. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed for me something that's come up is almost
0: this this feeling that, It's like the, you know, we're, we're talking so much more now about gender being a much more open, fluid situation. We're talking much more about these concept that, concepts that are really challenging what have been very um, rigid ways of thinking for many, many years, and it, Sometimes it just feels to me like it's, it's, it's adults, it's parents who are getting really, really uncomfortable with these new ways of looking at things. And so they get uncomfortable and it feels like the response to that instead of sitting with that discomfort is to almost like lash back out and try to shove things back in a box Mm -hmm. because they're just so uncomfortable with it. I'm not sure if either of you can kind of have felt that as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I I just saw a quote this morning on LinkedIn that said prioritize the safety of queer kids over the discomfort of adults. Yeah. And I was like, yes. Yeah. So I think you're totally spot on with that. And I mean, we're known in our country for when things get uncomfortable or are different um, and fear rises. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. politicians and others like use those tactics to increase the fear and keep, keep building that energy. And um, I mean, there's so much discrimination, not just against the LGBTQ community, but you know, against so many minority communities in this country. And um,
2: yeah,
1: that's just like, it's unfortunately, like, part of our
2: culture. Um, I would just add that, um, you know, I think, also, there's a lot of work to be done with, uh, you know, more education on gender identity, like people are coming out and the system, you know, hasn't been set up to sustain the level of demand Um, and systems are really needed, needing to be reworked. For example, like passports and like gender identification and also credit cards, like credit cards, Mm it has to have your name given at birth. And only now are we seeing credit cards being able to figure out, oh, you know, you can put a preferred name on there or you're able to travel with an X on your passport, or some states are really just, you know, trying to figure out how do we make a spot in our system with not just an M or an F character. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really like top, like everywhere, the whole system, Mm -hmm. healthcare, travel, um, Mm -hmm. just in our economy has been set up to support male and female. And I think that's, you know, some part of Mm -hmm. some of the pushback that there is a lot of work to be done. And, there's not really a clear like group set to like help with the transition. Mm-hmm. What do you think
0: LGBTQ kids, you know, in those, in those early stages need, like, like, how do we, what do they need to hear? What do they need from us as adults? Like, like, is I don't know. I'm curious what, what your thoughts are about how we best support them moving, moving forward, especially during times like this.
1: I mean, I'm, I'll start. I know. I'm sure, Micah, you have a lot of ideas. Also, I think. Um, I think one thing that I've learned just over the last year of really digging into this work is we all have the right to show up however we want, um, and use what pronouns feel right, use what names feel right, <clears throat> use what you know expression. Um, we we all have that right, and and youth have that right, and the more we can. I think accept that and the more we can relay to them that however they choose to show up is beautiful. And you know, youth are teenage they're teenagers, right? Like they're mm-hmm. they're questioning regardless of whether you're gay, straight, um, however you show up, right? Like that's just a, a time in your life when you're transitioning and questioning and and it exploring who you are. And that can be a really exciting time if we can give them the space to do that. Um, and so I think, you know, as much as we can communicate to that, to them and, and create space for that, I think is really, really important. And we can do that as, as teachers, as parents, as community members, you know, it's really easy to say, my name is Nikki, I use she, her pronouns, that signals, that's like a, such an easy way to signal to young people and anyone that you can use Like show up how you want you can use what pronouns you want so i feel like if 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 we can do like one little thing it's like just use your pronouns when you introduce yourself that that can go just a really long way and help educate others have tough conversations um i mean my mom who came out in the 90s right her and i are having conversations you know now she's in Mm her 60s and she's like i don't understand they them um like, what does this mean? Like, that feels awkward to, to use my pronouns, um, mm-hmm. you know, and and just navigating that. So, I think it's a really, I mean, it's a really exciting time in a lot of ways um, because there is more space to have these conversations than there ever has before. So, as much as we can embrace that, um, especially for the young people, is really important.
2: Yeah, and I would also add that I think that there's so much power in just getting queer youth together in a room to talk, to play games, to have fun, and to talk about their kind of their stories in a less formal setting. Um, You know, in creating safe spaces for youth, I think it's essential that um, you start with the fact that queer and trans youth are the experts in their joy and also in their pain. So that any solution around queer youth has to be centered by their experiences, um, and they should absolutely have a place at the table for informing a direction of any organization. So I think, you know, adults can do their due diligence, do their research and and find organizations that are really coming at supporting trans youth with more of a holistic lens um, and mm-hmm. investing in, you know, fun, but also investing in the training and then the education piece of this. Um, but yeah, we just want to, we want to center pride and joy and because being queer is, is a gift. Um, and I don't think that that's celebrated in many spaces, so. I think that's essential for carving out you know, safe spaces for, for people. Yeah. In, in, in what ways
0: do you look at being trans as a gift? Tell me more about that.
2: I think um, it's a lot of trying to navigate a world that wasn't really set up for your success. Mm. So it's a gift in that you rely really heavily on your own sense of self Um, Like, this is me, even though, you know, all these institutions don't recognize me as a person or don't recognize my feelings or put up all these barriers. Like, you have to feel this way for this long of a time to be recognized to get this. Like, there are so many barriers and there's so much power in queer friendships um, for support through all the politics of everything else. Um, Yeah. So it's a gift in that we kind of... We're fighting for ourselves, but we're all also fighting to make sure that the kids and the adults that come behind us um, are cared for it in a way that that you know we didn't have or we were fighting for at yeah. the time.
0: What uh, what have you learned most about yourself, Micah, throughout this entire journey that continues to unfold?
2: Hmm, that's a good question. Everyone is exhausted and sometimes it's exhausting talking about you know experience and trauma but there's a history of people who came before me um trans women of color specifically who opened the doors for me and it will consistently be an uphill battle to be recognized and to find a place to be um happy and supported and heard um Mm. and ultimately the support of my family and friends has, has gotten me through the highs and lows of it all. Um, I couldn't have done it without a support group. And, you know, even, even talking to some of my friends, they're like, oh, you know, just meeting you and talking to you and just seeing the the change in, in your emotions and your happiness. Like, I've been able to talk to my family about they, them pronouns. And like, I have a trans friend and they're awesome and they're doing great and kind of dispelling all these stereotypes that have lived. And um, you know, dispelling a lot of the misrepresentation in the media on trans folk. Um, it's been huge. I kind of have like an army around me that's like going at this cause. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, being able, finding ways to ask for help um, and also, uh, you know, make room for your own emotions because it, it is hard to to be going through this and to be speaking to your pain. So,
0: yeah, yeah. And I, I know one of the things that I, I wanted to talk to the two of you about is, you know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about mental health, obviously, that's kind of the main focus of the podcast. Um curious if, if the two of you have any thoughts about like mental health struggles that you see particularly show up within the LGBTQ community. Um, and Micah, I'm curious what your kind of mental health process has looked like as you've you know, continued to, to go through the doors of coming out.
2: Yep. I mean, coming out was, was the best experience for my mental health. I remember mm. spending, you know, way too long in the morning trying to find clothing that would proportion my bodies in ways or would hide areas that I was less proud of. Um, yeah. And, I mean, that every day, the social anxiety of, like, going out or of, you know, volunteering to, to help out on a podcast and just hearing my voice and just feeling like sick to my stomach and mm. when i came out it was really liberating it felt like you know a th- i think a bricks fell off my back um uh you know my anxiety or my social anxiety drastically reduced um and especially when i started my medical transition it was like it just felt i just felt a sigh of relief that i'd never ever experienced before Um, but I think that there are some, you know, mental health struggles that are unique to maybe not unique, but felt more heavily by our community. I think one of those things is like imposter syndrome or, um, really doubting your own abilities, maybe because you haven't seen anyone successfully navigate them before you in person. Um, but also feeling like you're a fraud or like you're not gay enough or you're like not trans enough to really like be a part of the community. Um, or you know you don't feel this way enough um, it you know it can be a invalidating experience um, and mental health has come a long way from you know transgender folk being labeled as mentally ill yeah. um, and I would also say dysphoria I would it's probably unique to the trans experience and I, I don't think defining it um, is appropriate here but at least for me it was kind of like this feeling that something was off or something was out of alignment mentally and within my own body um, and really had a lot of anxiety in how i was perceived by others um, and how i perceived myself and then also would just add you know it's getting better but there's overall lack of actual like trans providers in the U S to meet the demand of like people looking for therapists or, um, you know, primary care providers or like sexual health, um, professionals. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing all that. I, I, I think that's so many beautiful things touched on in there that I know will help other people. And I'm sure it is kind of exhausting to continually have to, to continuously have to kind of share that, that piece of yourself. And so, um, Honored that you are willing to do that on here. So thank you.
2: Yeah, of course.
0: As we start to kind of wrap up here a little bit, a couple words that I've heard mentioned in this interview are authentic and alignment. And I'm curious from each of you, Michael, we'll start with you. Um, When do you feel the most? In alignment, like are there are there things in your life, are there spaces in your life where, where that feels most um, prevalent for you?
2: Yep, I would say when when I'm directly speaking to another trans person. Mm. Honestly, I think it's as simple as that. Um, Yeah, there's it's like they're the closest individual who like understands you know, my story to an extent, almost without having to explain myself. Um, mm-hmm. It's such a deep bond and it's something that I've never experienced before. Um, yeah, that that in itself is a gift, just the, the time and space to connect with another trans person. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for me kind of similar just being in queer community um my partner and i have been together over 20 years and we have Mm -hmm. friends who have been part of our community for that long as well and so we don't get together as often as we'd like to but you know whenever we're we're in space together and that chosen family like i mean just thinking about that makes my heart you know Mm -hmm. really happy Mm -hmm. um and we also have you know a 13 year old and a six year old and so when the four of us can be out and be um on vacation or out in space and just like, um, I don't know, just hanging together in spaces that feel really safe and inclusive for our family just feels really yummy, also. So,
0: mm-hmm. beautiful. Pretty simple well, stuff. We're just <laughs> right? going to say what's amazing about that, right? Is that both of them just have to do with connection, like connecting with another human. Yeah. Um, well, I, I wanna thank both of you so much for, for being on the podcast, being open to this conversation. Um, really, really grateful for both of you, what you're doing, how you're showing up for the community. Um, it's really important work and um, thank you for all that you're doing.
1: Yeah, thank you. I feel honored to share space with both of you and appreciate um, your vulnerability and willingness to, to openly share you know, about your journeys. So appreciate you.
0: I want to once again uh, give a big thank you to Nikki and Micah for joining me here today on the podcast. If you are interested in learning more about Queerspace Collective, if you are interested in getting involved, I know Nikki mentioned that they are are always looking for more mentors, so, so people who are interested in um, being paired up and supporting LGBTQ plus youth. Uh, especially right now Nikki says that they are looking for people who may identify um, trans and, and also people of color. And so if you are, are interested in, in reaching out, getting in touch with them, you can go to queerspacecollective.com that, that link should be linked up also in the show notes would encourage you to, to check them out and, um, and get involved if that resonates for you. So my friends, um, thanks for being here. Um, however you identify in that, in that ever evolving process of, um, you know, growing more and more into our own skin and our own bodies and our own beings. Um, you're welcome here. Always, always, always. And, um, Let's keep leaning into those safe spaces. Let's keep creating those safe spaces for other people. And um, let's be gentle with um, not only other people, but also ourselves. We'll talk again next week. And i um, grateful for each and every one of you. And um, one step at a time. <laughs>